0: I'm going to preach the word. Well, <clears throat> last Thursday night we talked about mercy. How many of you remember about the mercy? talked about what, what mercy is and how it's important to have the correct view. That if you have a bad view in life, you're going to live a bad life. If you have a good view and if you have, the, you have your mind and your eyes and your heart and your life set on the right thing, uh, you're going to live a good, reasonable, natural life uh, that honors God and loves people. Does that sound good? Yeah. We talked about mercy talked about our view in life. We're going to be opening up uh, this series, which is going to be talking a lot about uh, character, what your what your life looks like. We're going to talk about uh, what does your love life look like with God and with people. That's awkward. I just said love life. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be talking about what does it look like? What, is your, what does your relationship with God look like? And then what does your relationship with people look like? And then ultimately, what is your attitude like? What is the fruit of your life? What is it? What does it look like? And uh, Ultimately, what we're saying is that this life is reasonable. And we're going to look at why is it reasonable. Right now, we're going to talk about tonight, we're going to talk about why is it reasonable, part two. Last week, we asked the question, why is it reasonable? And the answer was because of his mercy. It's reasonable to live a life where you love God and you love your neighbor because of how much he already loves you. What the heck is going on out in the hallway? (laughs) That's hilarious. Uh, so so the, reason, the reason why we're going to love God and the reason why we're going to love our neighbor is because he first loved us, right? Right? Can we respond tonight? I think you guys are being a little, little slacking in responding. Let's respond. So when I ask a question, answer a question. If I say something real good, then respond. Say amen or yes or that sounds good. Or just stand up and yell at me or something. It'll it'll help it'll help the word sink into your heart. But if you just sit there and twiddle your thumbs and talk to your neighbor, you're not gonna get anywhere tonight. Ooh, yeah. amen. So in view of his mercy, I wanna live, I wanna live a godly life. Yeah, and tonight yeah, yeah. And, and, and t- Amen, <laughs> yeah. brother. Come on. Yeah. And tonight we're gonna talk about his grace. Yeah. Yeah. Hey! Open your Bibles up to Philippians chapter two, verse thirteen. Come on, Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two, verse thirteen. Who's got the New Living Translation? You got it, don't you? Let me see your New Living real quick. New Living Translation. Nice hair, looks good. Ashley, can I do that to my hair? No. I don't think I'm allowed to do that to my hair, but it looks good on you, that's for sure. You there, Philippians chapter 2? Who's there? Yeah. If you're there, then yell. Yeah. If you're not there, hit your neighbor. He said to do that. He said to do that. All right, this is what it says. Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It says this. You ready? You ready? Yeah. Dear friends. You always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God in deep reverence and fear. Key verse For God is working in you, say in me. in me. Say in me. In me for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Yes. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Thank you. So God is working inside of you. Say in me. Indeed. So God is working inside of you, giving you a desire, which somebody go beat up Austin out there. He's he's just he's like getting ready to fight somebody. It. It. Yes, baby. Yeah. Come on, yeah. shout for Reed. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Hey Reed, shut that door too, bro. Thanks, man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love Reed, man. So God is working in us, giving us both the desire and the ability to do what pleases him. He gives us the desire. And so what we talked about last week is in view of his mercy, when you understand how much God already loves you, it gives you a desire to love him back. When you understand how much God loves you, you don't want to curse him. You don't want to live against him. But when you understand how much He loves you, and when you have the perspective of His mercy in your life, you're going to want to live for Him. What will arise in your heart and what will work in your heart is this desire to love God and to worship God and to love your neighbor. But when your perspective is set on something else, if your perspective is set on what you've done or the the good things or the bad things you've done, and that's why I'm going to love God and love my neighbor, then you're not going to live this reasonable life. But if your perspective is God's mercy and his goodness toward you, it's going to cause you to be moved to love him back. Yeah. That's why it's so important that you have the correct view in life. If you have a good eye, Matthew chapter 6 says, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6 that if you have a good eye, if you have a good mind, if your mind is set on the right thing, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye or if your mind is bad, Your whole body will be full of darkness. So last week we covered the fact that it's important to have a good mind, isn't it? It's important that your mind is set on the right thing. Because your mind, what you set your mind on, determines what your heart is like. What you set your mind on determines the life that you live. If you set your mind on the good things and the bad things you've done, you're going to either live in condemnation or fear. But if you set your mind on His mercies and His goodness toward you, you're not going to wait to be able to praise and to love God. And so when you set your mind on that, God works inside of you a desire to please Him. And tonight we're going to talk about His grace that gives us the power or the ability to please Him. See, it's one thing to have a desire. But see, I have a desire to jump from here to the moon. But if I don't have the ability to jump from here to the moon, then I ain't going to jump from here to the moon. But if I have an ability that is given and worked inside of me to jump from here to the moon, then I'll jump from here to the moon. Because I not only want to, but I also have the ability to. It's important for us to understand that you you can not only want to live a reasonable life, but you have to understand that you have the ability to live this reasonable life. Because it is God who is working in you, giving you a desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Amen? Amen. It is reasonable to live this life because in view of His mercies and by His grace, I have the desire and the ability to do it. In view of His mercies, I want to. And by His grace, I can. And so tonight we're going to talk about that power, that ability that works in you and that works in me. That works in all those that put their faith in Jesus Christ. You excited about that? Yeah. Excited about that power? Well, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Ephesians. 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 Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate your hospitality, man, keeping that place clean, making me feel warm and welcomed. Yeah, Yeah, come on now. You there, Ephesians chapter 1? Ephesians chapter 1, this is uh, written by a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul. He used to be Saul, but God changed his name to Paul. He was literally riding a horse. He was on a horse. Anybody ride horses in here? Nobody? Anybody? See, so she rides a horse. She rides a horse. So could you imagine riding a horse, and you're, you're riding on this horse, and out of, the, out of the middle of nowhere, this beaming light shines down on you, and it's so powerful, it's so moving, that it literally knocks you off of your horse and blinds you. This happened to Paul. His name was Saul. Actually, his job was to arrest Christians. His job was to arrest Christians, to find Christians and arrest them for their death. That's what Paul did. That was his desire. And you know what happened? One day... The power of God knocked him physically off of his horse and said, you're no longer going to do that, but I'm going to cause you to be a messenger of this most amazing message to all the Gentiles in your region and really across the world. And so Paul gets knocked off his horse. He gets radically saved and transformed. God, starts, God puts his spirit inside of him to give him the desire and the ability to do something that we could not do before. Paul becomes Saul, sorry, Saul becomes Paul. He takes a new name, new person. Saul doesn't live anymore, he says. But Paul is alive. I'm a new man. Well, Paul starts writing this these letters. One of them is the Ephesians. He writes the book of Romans. He writes the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. He writes the book of Galatians. He writes the book of Ephesians. He writes the book of Philippians and Colossians, and he writes many others. He writes two-thirds of what we have before us, the New Testament. He writes two-thirds of the entire New Testament. And right now he's writing to a church in a little region, a little city called Ephesus. And he's writing to this church in the first three chapters of this letter. He's telling them who they are in Jesus Christ. And the last three chapters, chapters 4, 5, and 6, Paul tells them, because that's who you are in Christ... This is how you ought to live. But we pick up here in chapter 1, verse, I'm sorry, I think it's verse 17. We pick up here in verse 17, where Paul is opening up his letter and he's praying. He's telling them what he prays for. It's important that we understand what Paul prays for. Because this Bible, this word is inspired by God. If God were to pray for us through a man, this is what he would pray Sometimes we pray weird prayers, prayers that really have no effect. Sometimes we pray for things we already have. And sometimes we ask for things that we already have. When Paul prays a prayer that is, in, in a lot of ways, so refreshing, so relieving, it causes us to realize that we already have something, but that God would reveal to us what we already have. I'm reading here in Ephesians 1.17. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. and So you can read yours if you want, but if you're taking notes, you can just write it down. But this is the Amplified. Uh, the Amplified Version is exactly what it says it is. It's, it amplifies the Bible. It, it expounds on what's being said. He says this, For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that He may grant you a spirit of wisdom, and revelation what is the spirit of wisdom and revelation this is what he says it is of insight into mysteries and secrets he says i'm praying that god's going to give you insight into these mysteries and into these secrets that god has for you and these are found in the deep and intimate knowledge of him So he's saying this. So far he's saying this. He said, I'm praying that God would open up your eyes, that he would give you insight, spiritual insight, to these promises that are yours. But these promises are found in your relationship with Jesus. Then he says this. By having the eyes of of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. And how rich is his glorious inheritance in his saints. And now he's saying, "I'm praying that God would open up your eyes to understand all that God has for you." You know, I, I guess I feel like I'm, I can relate with Paul right now because one of my biggest passions, and probably my biggest passion, preaching and teaching and leading in this ministry, is that you would understand how much He loves you and all that He has for you. I don't just sit up here and say the things I say for my benefit. Actually, there is no part of this that is for my benefit, other than I'm doing it for His glory and for Him. But I'm doing it that your eyes might be open, that God might show you something more about how good He is toward you and how much He loves you. This is what He's asking, that the eyes of your heart would be open and enlightened to understand Him. And then He says this. This is the key verse. You can circle this verse. You can highlight this verse. You can write this verse on your wall. It says this, So that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. This is what Paul's saying. I'm praying that you would understand and that you would come to know the power of God's strength that is working inside of you right now. That's His heart. It's not, this is the key, it's not that you don't have that already working for you, it's not that you need to ask that to start working in you. It's that if your faith is in Jesus, it's already working in you. He's just asking that your eyes would be open to that which is already happening in you. That you would put your faith on that which is already real inside of you. God's not asking you to believe something that isn't true. God asks you to believe in everything that is true and real. And if there is anything that is true and real, it's Jesus Him restored in heaven and him sending his spirit to dwell inside of your body so you can live a life for him he says i want you to know the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe not for anybody it's only in those who believe this power that works inside of us i want you to know about it he says I'm so desperate that you would find out the most important message, that this power is in you and it's for you. He's really excited about this. Actually, sometimes when Paul writes about this grace and about this power, he actually makes up words to describe how big this power is that works in you and for you. He actually takes words, two Greek words, and he'll put them together. Because he can't fully describe this mystery that he's seen of how great this power that works inside of you. The only way he could ever describe it is he says it was demonstrated when God rose Jesus from the dead. He says the only way I can show you and tell you about how, how powerful this, this, this power is... Is it the same power, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead? He was dead for three days. That same spirit, that same power that rose him from the dead works in you and it's for you. That's what he says. Man, if I could demonstrate this, if there's any way that I could, that I could show you what it is that, that, that works in you. He says, let me just show you a picture because God already exerted it. He already demonstrated this most amazing thing. What is it? Well, it was when this person was dead. He'd been dead for three days. And one day, by His Spirit, by God's Spirit, He rose this person. And He did not only just raise him, He did not only bring him back to life, but He took him into the heavenly places. And He seated him at the right hand of God. And then we go on. What does he say? He says he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age, the world, which are to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised through the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with himself. These are a lot of big words. Sometimes we can get confused when we read stuff like this. Honestly, I've probably read this section of scripture over a hundred times, trying to understand what is being said, and what Paul is trying to get us understand. I've read it in almost every translation you can read it in. And what Paul is simply saying, he's saying, I pray not that you would be, not that you would receive this spirit, but I pray that you would understand that this spirit lives inside of you he says it's it's almost as if paul is frustrated you ever get frustrated it's like paul gets frustrated he gets frustrated that we're living in ignorance he gets frustrated these believers that are so rich with the spiritual life rich with jesus himself and they don't even know it Could that be the worst thing that we'd be known for? Is it inside of us dwells God who created the universe, but we didn't even know it and we didn't even access it? Could that be our biggest failure? Is receiving the most amazing gift, yet burying it, like it says in Matthew Matthew chapter 24, or 25, sorry, Matthew chapter 25, where they buried the talents? Is that not what we have done? If we forget this gift that's been given to us, I guess my desire is that you would come to understand this gift that is already in you. It's already in you. And we're going to uncover and look at that gift tonight. Does that sound good? It's a little preview. Let's pray. Father, tonight, Lord, we are more than grateful. God, I thank you. Lord, that you've made us to understand your son. God, you've revealed to us that your son died for us. To bear our sin, our shame, our guilt, and your wrath so that we could enter into your presence freely and that we could know you. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and that you're working in us and for us continually. Lord, I pray to open up our eyes tonight to see how great you are for us, and in us. Thank you, Lord, that you're so good to us. Open up our ears, our minds, and our hearts to understand and help us to live this out in our life. God, that we would not only be hearers of your word, but God, that we would actually apply and live out this word that you've given to us, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, let's ask this question. What is this reasonable life? What do we call it? Well, let's kind of give a quick um, Summary of what we talked about last week: Reasonable life is our love for God, our love for the person sitting next to you, and the person that you don't know downtown right now. It's the person that's called your neighbor. The reasonable life is a life that is in love with God, passionately, uh, aggressively pursuing God, wholeheartedly, and it's this love relationship with your per- the person that you sit next to you or with any given neighbor that you know. The reasonable life is that you would have a love relationship with God and with people. I'm not talking about the love that is seen in Pocahontas. I'm not talking about the love that is seen in Aladdin, Twilight. Twilight. I'm not talking about that love. I'm talking about the love that you find in Nemo. I'm talking about that love that nothing, nothing will keep you from pursuing that one that you love. I'm talking about a love that keeps, that, 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 that keeps you from living an ungodly life. I'm talking about that love that causes you to do everything you can in and of yourself to live a life for God and for one another. Not Pocahontas. Not Aladdin. Not, what was that movie? the princess and the frog. Don't see that movie. That movie's demonic. <laughs> I'm talking about a love that causes you to pursue God wholeheartedly. And then thirdly, this reasonable life is expressed in all that you do and all that you say and all of your attitude. It's expressed in what Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says, the fruit of the Spirit. Where there's love and there's joy Joy that is your strength causes you to stand in the midst of any circumstance or situation. Peace. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Even though the world might tell you something, God gives you peace that causes you to be strong in any circumstance and in any situation. Love, joy, peace, patience. Patience is something that you cannot work out of your own strength. Something that you don't have before you know Jesus. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, long-suffering, self-control. All these things are exerted through you when you access God's power that works in your life. This is the reason of life, and we're going to talk about this next week. We're going to jump right into the first part of this, which is our pursuit of God and what that looks like. And over a period of time, we'll eventually get to what it looks like to love your neighbor, and so on and so forth. It's loving God, loving your neighbor, and exemplifying this This. Life that is the fruit of the Spirit. That's what the reasonable life is. It's The life that, that is not, it's not, it's not extreme, like we talked about last week. It's not a crazy life. It's not an unheard of life. It's not a life that you should live because you have to live it. It's a life that you ought to live. Because it's the life that's been given to you. It's the reasonable life. It's not radical. It's not extreme. It's just reasonable. That's why when you do the dishes, you shouldn't ask for somebody to praise you or bless you. When you help out your mom for something, you shouldn't wait for her to thank you. Why, Gabriel? I just did a nice thing. Yeah, but a nice thing's been done to you. And so it's reasonable to live a life where you're blessing other people. You're not doing God a favor when you read your Bible. You're doing the reasonable thing. You're not doing God a favor when you come in here and you worship. You're doing the reasonable thing. Because if your faith is in Jesus, He's given you more than you could ever hope for or imagine. So my question is, and our question tonight we want to answer is, how can I live this life? Sure, I know why I ought to live it, because he loves me. But isn't there some power that comes with this package? We're going to talk about that. I need two volunteers. Hey, so what I'm doing right now, Billy and Faith, just to let you know, is I took out this SIM card of my phone. Now, the thing is, though, I let her choose which phone she was going to use, and she chose the right one. So I was giving you the opportunity to choose first, but the audience here let, let, uh, asked that she would choose first. So we let her choose first. She grabbed the right phone. You grabbed the wrong phone. And she made the call, and she got the tickets, man. You going to have fun this Saturday night? Good. Good, I'm glad you won, it, and I'm glad Billy didn't. Just to be honest with you. I'm just being honest. Oh, this is annoying me. Keep sliding. <laughs> question is, how do we live this reasonable life? And now we're going, what the heck, how does this even tie in? Every cell phone, if you have a cell phone in your hand or in your pocket, is made for one purpose. Can you tell me what that purpose is? is? The call, the text, internet. (laughs) If it... Listen, if the phone phone has the SIM card in it, with the SIM card carries the actual cellular service, an actual cellular cellular connection. If the phone does not have the SIM card, which is the new phones today, if it does not have the SIM card, or AT&T carries SIM cards, if it does not have the SIM card, it has no service. So poor Billy here tried calling, but he couldn't call anybody. And bless his heart, we'll pray for him after service. But... So every phone is made for the purpose of making a phone call. That's what what a phone is for, to phone somebody, call somebody. But if it does not have the service inside of it, it cannot live out its full purpose, can it? Can't do anything, can it? You could turn it on. You can play with it. It still has lights. It still has battery power. But if it does not have the, the cellular service, the power working inside of it, it cannot do what it was made to do, can it? Wouldn't it have been a bummer? Which, Faith, you had a, it was a perfect example. She had all the power she needed working in that phone, but she forgot the stinking number. She, she, oh, so she was shaking and she's all worried. Right. And inside of every person is the purpose to live a life for God. Every person was made to live a life for God. A life that is in love with God. A life that worships God. A life that praises God. A life that gives glory to God. Every person is also made for the purpose to exemplify God in his attitude, in his or her life, what he or she says. What he or she doesn't say. All of what he or she does or doesn't do is supposed to bring glory to God. But if they don't have that power working inside of them, they cannot live out what they were made for, can they? And so we have to understand as Christians that inside of us works a power. Say, in me. me. Inside of us works a power. Power inside of me is what we would call cellular service if you will we're always connected and you cannot be disconnected necessarily there's not different parts of your road in life where you lose connection you always have the opportunity and the possibility and the access to be able to be connected with God and that connection is what gives you life That connection is what gives you the ability to do what you could not do. It's working inside of you. And I guess one of the the worst things that would happen for us is that we would have this power working inside of us, but not know it. So inside of you is working this power. i got some scriptures. Philippians 4.13. Philippians 4.13 says this, I have strength for all things who empowers me. I have strength for all things in Christ, who empowers me. I have strength for all things in Christ, who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything, through Him who infuses inner strength into me. Colossians 1.29 says this, For I labor, striving with all the superhuman energy which he so mightily enkindles and works within me. It's a different translation. But he says, I work with that power that works inside of me so mightily. It's called superhuman energy, he calls it. In Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose. That power that is at work inside of you is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. That power that works inside of you does far more than anything you could ever hope for or imagine. The question is not, do you have that working inside of you? The question is, are you accessing that and does your faith rely on that power? If your faith is in Jesus, then God has put his spirit inside of you. Can you say amen to that? So the truth is, is that God is inside of you. The question is, are you putting your mind and your faith on that power that is working inside of you? Because if you're not accessing that power, if your heart and your mind is not is not set on that power that is working inside of you, then you will not live that reasonable life that you were called to live. You cannot live that reasonable life you were called to live if you don't access it. Just like faith here. If she didn't know how to dial the number, or if she didn't know how to push call, she wouldn't know how to, or sorry, she wouldn't be able to call that person. But because she had that power working in her and because she knew that she had that access, really the truth is she didn't even know, but she just did it anyway. And because she had faith that that phone was going to work, it worked, didn't it? And regardless, regardless of whether or not you feel like there's power working in you, the truth is it's working in you. The problem is, is whether or not you're accessing that power that's at work in you. The problem is not God and His ability to work in you. The problem is is that we tend to not set our mind on the right things in life. The problem is that God does not not love you. The problem is that He does love you. You just don't know how much He loves you. So where is your faith? What do you rely on? That's the question tonight. Because if if you're not living that reasonable life, if you're not living a life that is for God and to Him, And the question is, what are you relying on? Where is your faith at? What are you trusting in? Listen to this scripture. It says, when you receive the message of God, what's the message of God? The gospel, right? When you receive that message, you welcomed it, not as a word of mere man, but as it truly is. The word of God. And listen to this. Which is effectively... At work in you. Say, in me. In In you who believe. Exercising its superhuman power in those who adhere to and trust in and rely on God. That power is working in you. But it's working for you if you rely on it. It's in you. But it works for you and through you if you choose to rely on it. If you choose to understand and if you choose to take your time to set your mind on God's power that's working inside of you, you will live this godly life. What does that look like? What does it look like to set your mind? It looks like you taking time out of your day to set your mind on Jesus to go away and pray, to wake up in the morning and say, God, today is your day. Today I'm going to access your grace. Today I'm going to come before you and partake of this power that you have for me so that I can live this life that I could not live. It's the same life that rose Jesus from the dead. It dwells in you and it's going to cause you and can cause you to live a godly life. But if you're not choosing to to rely on it, if you're choosing to rely on your own strength, well, what does that look like? What does it look like when you're relying on your own strength? It looks like you never spending time with Jesus. It looks like you never spending time in your Word. It looks like you never actually, not just never, it looks like you taking a day and saying, well, today I'm just going to rest. But to you, rest means that you're not going to read your Bible, you're not going to pray, and you're not going to actually spend any time with Jesus. That's rest to you, but the truth is you're just getting more tired. But when you choose to take time every morning, not just at night time, not just in the middle of the day, but the first part of the day, you wake up and you access the most important power that is for you and in you that caused you to live that godly life that God has called you to live. You cannot live this godly life unless you access, unless you walk with God, unless you let Him work inside of you that power that causes you to live this life. You cannot love until you allow God to work love inside of you. You cannot forgive unless you first allow God to work something inside of you to cause you to forgive. You cannot do what God's called you to do unless you first access that life. Does this make sense? That's why it's so important that we understand what we we rely on and what we don't rely on. Let me, let me read this scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 13. This is the last scripture, Second Corinthians verse thir- chapter 13, verse three and five. It says, "Since you desire and seek proof of the Christ who speaks in and through me, for he is not weak and feeble in dealing with you, but is a mighty power within you, say within me. Within me. He is a mighty power within you. And then he says this, examine and test and evaluate your own selves to see whether you are holding on to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourselves, not Christ. Do you not yourselves realize and know through an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you? Listen to what he says. Do you not know that Jesus Christ is inside of you? He says, test yourselves. Don't test God. Test yourselves. Is your faith in this God that is inside of you, or is it somewhere else? Ask yourself. Because if it is in God, then there should be some fruit to show it. I guess what happens is when we sin, or when we stumble, or when we fall, the reason why we sin, or we stumble, or we fall... It's not necessarily because we're these bad people. The problem is because we're relying on the wrong source. The problem is because our mind, the thing that we think about, the thing that we put our hope in and trust in, is in the wrong place. And so it's important that we as Christians first understand that God is inside of us. And as we choose to daily set our mind on Him, and not just daily, but all day, That scripture that says pray continually. That's what it looks like. That you're continually, your heart and your mind is set on Jesus. Your heart and mind is set on his love for you. And your heart and mind is set on his power working inside of you and inside of me. Man, I guess guess it can be confusing why I would be yelling and so passionate and fired up. But to me it's not confusing. To me, it's the most important and powerful message that anybody can know. That God loves them and God's working inside of them to do for them what they cannot do. I guess I want to use that cell phone analogy tonight because I want you to every time you pick up a phone that you understand this phone will not and cannot work if it doesn't have access, if it doesn't have cellular activity. And nor can I if I am not continually walking with God. Every time you pick up your phone, be reminded of that grace that works inside of you. Every time you go to open up your phone, be reminded that Jesus lives inside of you to cause you to do what you could not do. Every time you go to text somebody, be reminded that God, the same God that rose Jesus from the dead, dwells and lives inside of you to cause you to live that resurrected life that God has called you to live. He lives in you. He dwells in you. Not just to sit and hang out, but to live in you, for you, on your behalf. Ask yourself tonight, where is my faith? What am I relying on? Is my faith in what I can or cannot do? Well, no, Gary. No, no, my faith is in Jesus. Really? Well, then what does your day look like? If your day looks like never spending alone time with Jesus... That I say, you're wrong. Your faith isn't in Jesus. Your faith is in yourself because you're not going away to access that grace that can cause you to live that godly life that you're supposed to live. Does this make sense? Yeah. If you're not spending time with Jesus, then you are telling me and you're telling everybody else that you don't have faith in that power that rose Jesus from the dead. we got to live a life that, that when we start to stumble, we go... I have a problem. What's that problem? My problem is I haven't been spending enough time with Jesus. Your problem isn't that you haven't been working hard enough. Your problem is that you haven't been spending enough time with Jesus. we got to live a life where when we start to stumble, we have a hard time or we don't have peace, we don't have joy. Hear me now, this is important. You don't have peace, and you don't have joy, you don't have patience. we got to live a life when we start realizing, man, I'm not really full of this joy that God promises me. I'm not really full of that joy. We ought to live a life that says, man, if I'm not full of that joy, I need to spend more time with Jesus. Because as I spend time with Jesus, He works in me joy, doesn't He? As I spend time with Jesus, as I access Him, as I set my mind on Him, He not only gives me the desire to worship Him and to praise Him, He doesn't only give me the desire to bless somebody and to serve somebody and have the fruit of the Spirit, but He works in me the ability to do that. So I don't even have to try, but it naturally and reasonably starts to happen because I spent time with Jesus. Because this is my faith, people. Listen, this is important. My faith is this, is that every day as I spend time and as I wait on Jesus and as I choose to be alone and to set my mind on Him, my faith is that He is working inside of me a power that rose Jesus from the dead. And this power that rose Jesus from the dead is causing me to live a life that I could never live, but it's a life that God called me to live. That's my faith. And that ought to be your faith. So that that is why it's reasonable to live godly. That's why it's reasonable to forgive the person sitting next to you. That's why it's reasonable to bless and to serve God. That's why it's reasonable to get up early in the morning and spend time with Jesus. Because you need Jesus to live this reasonable life. Every time you pick up a phone, be reminded of this Jesus that dwells inside of you by the person of the Holy Spirit. I guess the question tonight is, Gabriel, what is grace? Grace. Grace. Grace identified this, it's God's unearned power in the person of the Holy Spirit working in and through those that trust in Christ in order to fulfill His purpose. Grace is the unearned power in the person of the Holy Spirit that lives in you, that works inside of you, and that works through you only when you trust in him. So God, I'm trusting in you. All day long, God, I trust in you. I'm facing a tough situation. God, I trust in you. And as I trust in you, there's this power that works inside of me. I can't fully comprehend it. I can't really describe it, but I got joy. I don't know why. All I know is that there's this joy working inside of my heart, and I can't contain it. That person cursed me the other day, but I spent time with Jesus. And as I spent time with him, as I spent time with the holy God, the holy God changed what was unholy about me. As I spent time with the power of God, he did something to the the, the, the part of me that has no power, and he changed it, and he caused me to have power to do what I could not do. You say you believe, and we say we have faith in Jesus. But the truth is, we don't have faith. We're not trusting in Jesus. We're not spending time with Jesus. If we're not resting and trusting Him. I don't know if the worship team's ready. But I'm expecting that you can hear me. So if you can hear me, you can come up here. Are you with me tonight? Say, in me. In me. Come on, say, in me. In me. In me. In me. Not in you because you do the right or wrong things, but in you because your faith is in Jesus that He died and rose again. Say, in me. In me. Jesus lives in you by the Holy Spirit to cause you to do what you could not do. Remember when you pick up your cell phone. Remember that He lives in you. Amen? Amen. There cannot be any excuses. Why? Because He lives in you. You just gotta put your faith in him. We must continue. Would you stand with me? As you're standing, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this last few things. We must continue to set our minds on his mercies to give us a desire. And we must continue to set our minds on his power, on his grace. To give us the ability. Would you repeat after me something? Say mercies. Is there a better word than mercies? I guess if there were, it would be Jesus. Say mercies. Come on, say mercy. Mercy. Come on, say mercies. Mercies. You've got to daily set your mind on His mercies. All of His mercies. If you didn't get that message, get it. you can get it on podcast. You can hear it. I talked about it last week. All of His mercies. And say grace. grace. Say grace. grace. Grace is that power that you need that lives in you. And you have the opportunity to set your mind on it, to, 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 to take that power and to use it for His glory. You have the mercy in you. And you have the grace in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Amen. You have this, so you can live a reasonable life. To live that reasonable life. Would you pray with me?